0: There's a lot going on in the market over the last six days, from a huge crush in the yield curve to, this morning, a renewed drop in Bitcoin, and, of course, the either-or market between small caps and big tech that has come back to life. Let's see what's on the top of the mind of Mr. Dave Nadeg, Director of Research at ETF Trends. Dave, good to have you back on the show this morning.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Big day, big day.
0: Thank you. So let's start with some Bitcoin. I know you watch a BTC and crypto, especially through your lens from monitoring the progress towards any etf of this asset. Uh, do these types of swings help, hurt? Uh, are the regulators used to seeing it by now? Is it inconsequential?
1: Well, honestly, everybody should be used to seeing it by now. I mean, this is sort of the way crypto is. I point out that despite these sort of stomach-dropping moments we have, generally on Sundays, it seems, uh, you know, the the Bitcoin's still beating the S&P 500 for the year. So if you got in beginning of January, you're still up a percent or two. That being said, I understand this volatility gets everybody a little nervous, and the SEC has made it clear that it's not just volatility they're interested in looking at, it's manipulation, right? So I think if we look at what happened over the weekend, that's clearly an external regulatory shock. The same way if they approved the Bitcoin ETF, that would be an external regulatory shock. It's not manipulation, at least I don't believe it's manipulation. It's just changes in how the market structure is working. I think it will pan out just fine in the end, But that's the kind of thing the SEC is really looking at. They want to feel comfortable that they're not going to approve a product. And then six weeks later, it turns out there's a giant fraud case that they could have gotten in front of. That, despite the fact there's about $60 billion in various trusts and ETPs trading around the world that is already in cryptocurrencies. So not only is the SEC late to the party here, I'm not even sure they're really asking the right questions anymore.
0: Hmm. So, Dave, if they're not asking the right questions, then uh, are they just uh, kind of dilly-dallying around trying to wait for this thing to, like, (laughs) are they waiting for it to go back to zero so they don't have to make a decision? I mean, it's not going to happen, right? I mean, it's going to be around here, I think. I don't know. Who knows where it's going to go?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to go away, but you know, what they did was in their their sort of latest kicking the can down the road, they again asked for comments from the public. And the, specifically what they're asking for is comments around manipulation. Right. That's the thing that they're most concerned about. Right, The SEC can't really establish the kind of surveillance agreement they would, for instance, with a foreign exchange. So that's what makes them nervous, their ability to conduct surveillance on this market in the case of some sort of fraudulent set of transactions running through the system. Now, we already know that in some ways, Bitcoin is even easier to track than fiat currency. Right, We, we all saw what happened with the latest ransomware being recovered. So the idea that somehow you're stepping into crypto and therefore it's an untraceable morass that the SEC can't look at, that strikes me as the wrong positioning.
0: Okay. So, uh, Dave, uh, is there going to be, though, a certain time, uh, this is something I think we've talked about before, but is there a certain time period in which the SEC can just watch the other Bitcoin funds trade without any craziness happening and feel pressure, or are they just agnostic to what other regulators are doing?
1: Yeah, they don't really have to. It's not like they all belong to the same golf club, and they have to show up and deal with the pain of you know uh, being a pariah on the 18th hole. Right? There, there is no global regulatory club like that. So they can and could delay this literally forever. I suspect, as I have for a while, that what we're going to see is this round of comments. Then we'll see some guidance issued in the fall, and I still think it's not out of the question that we get an approval in this calendar year, but honestly, we probably should be talking about the first half of next year at this
0: point. Okay. Dave, uh, let's talk some macro here. Uh, What do you see from your point of view in this discussion about how the Fed threw a wrench into markets and the uh, timeline for hikes? Do you see that showing up in like inflation products in certain ways? Are people bailing out like they bailed on some of the reflation stock themes last week? Honestly, what we're seeing from the advisor
1: community, which is what I watch, is what I'm calling an intra-equity rotation. You know, you hinted at the fact that we cut sort of this barbell market between small caps and big tech. I think it's actually a little more subtle than that. The the trade-off that we've got is sort of go-go growth, right? Which has been largely tech-driven and what I would call defensive equity. And that oddly, now we're talking about small caps as being defensive equity. We've seen a lot of interest in mid-caps. Obviously, the things we've seen sector-wise in terms of folks looking at energy and financials, those are part of that rotation too. So that focus on risk management and de-risking the equity portion of your portfolio, I think we're going to continue to see. Advisors don't have anywhere else to go. What are you going to do? Go buy 20s right now? This is not a market that as an advisor, you can really get away with just running bond ladders. So they have to be in equities. The question is how to do it and stay a little safe.
0: Okay. So, uh, Dave, I mean, what does that come down to? Does it mean hedged products? Does it uh, mean that uh, there is going to be more interest in buying funds outside of the passive indexes? Are we seeing some of that passive money start to break apart a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think we have. Like we saw that first in what I would call the go-go growth edge of the trade. Obviously, the Ark Invest products have been, you know, name above the title for quite some time now, but we're also seeing a lot of pickup in some of the firms that came to this market pretty late. American Century, T Rowe Price, firms like that. A lot of whom have fairly straightforward, fairly defensive products, things like equity income products, right? When was the last time we talked about an equity income product? Well, they're coming back into vogue. And as you pointed out, products using options to either smooth out your ride and lower your risk a little bit, or to generate a little bit of income by doing some call selling. Those have both been very popular and I expect them to be very popular through the rest of this year.
0: Okay. Uh, Dave, uh, what about when we think of uh, what's happening in terms of the timeline uh, for the comeback and the return to normal and consumer buying? We're going to get a little test of that e-commerce dominance with uh, Amazon Prime Day coming up. Is uh, this still going to be the best way to get exposure to the consumer, or has that e-commerce theme run its track? Because there's a ton of ETFs that have done extraordinarily well on the back of this e-commerce boom.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we got a little bit of a bubble in some of that, but I don't think we're gonna retrench. I think what we did was really move the adoption of sort of broad online retail forward by a couple years, right? We pulled in sort of 2025 expectations to now. I don't think we slide all the way back. I think what we need to be a little careful of is how we slice and dice this. Obviously, some of these firms have pulled back, um, but if you look at things like ONLN, right, that's about a 25% allocation to Amazon, another 15% to Alibaba. Those are very concentrated plays on a very specific kind of internet commerce, right? Big box store to your door, that's that model. I actually like things like iBuy from Amplify. It actually brings in the broader range of e-commerce to include things like Etsy, or even things like Netflix and Spotify. I don't think any of those trends are going back. Um, I think maybe the the bull run in a few things like maybe Peloton might have gotten a little overdone, but I think we're not going back to a world where you get in the car and you drive to the store for everything you get.
0: Okay. Dave, uh, always like the rundown here of the main themes you're looking at. Appreciate the thoughts, sir. Thanks for having me. You got it. Dave Nadig is Director of Research at ETF Trends.